This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, happy Monday. Uh, This is your host Haley and you're listening to Kindled Podcast. Um, So I have a great episode for you today and it is with Aaron Fullen, who is a Christian comedian. And, uh, you know, I actually was saving this episode for a little later, but then uh, I decided to air it a little sooner than I had planned because it just hit home with what happened last week uh, to me on Instagram, and that was an attempted cancellation by the left, by, um, you know, those who don't like my message, who don't like me talking about uh, the idolatry that COVID has become for so many, um, worshiping safety and health and acting as though they have absolute control over their lives. I talked about how it has, has become somewhat of a uh, religion this summer, and those stories were taken and were turned into a mocking, harassing video by someone and uh, someone with a lot of followers on TikTok. And those people all came over to my page and were um, trying to get me shut down. So I took my page private for a little bit and, uh, you know, decided that this episode would be the perfect one to air because. Um, Aaron and I talk about cancel culture as well as just how, um, how dangerous what is happening with COVID really is the demonization of anyone who does not fall in line with the, the narrative, the, uh, you know, mistreatment of them and, and really turning this into something where there is no freedom to have a conversation. There is no freedom to express a differing or a, or a dissident worldview or perspective of everything that's going on. There's there's no freedom to even make your own choice. And so that is the culture that we live in. And this is a timely conversation to be having. And I'm really thankful that Aaron was willing to come on and share his story with me today. Uh, before we get into that, I want to let you know that uh, I always appreciate your reviews. When you leave reviews for this podcast, it helps it get found by others, um, which means so much to me because uh, you know I know that that you guys are the best testimony of this podcast. More than anything I can say, what you can say about it, why you like it, why you listen is um, what brings people in. So thank you for that. And then if you want more information on what happened last week, I did a full Firestarter episode on this actually on Friday and shared the full story of of, uh, how that went down and um, as well as some encouragement about how you can be uncancelable. And so inside our Patreon community, uh, that is where those episodes release on Fridays. It is like getting a whole nother uh, podcast from me every single week. Um, and you can join us for $10 a month at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. And, uh, we'd love to have you in there. Okay. That is it. So here is my conversation with Aaron Fullen. All right. Today on kindled, I'm chatting with Aaron Fullen. Aaron, thank you so much for being here today. 
I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Haley. So uh, I was just telling you that I found you just, you know, haphazardly somehow by scrolling Instagram, probably on reels or something. And I came across one of your funny videos. I think it was uh, the uh, how to be a fact checker or something like that. Um, what was that yeah, one called? Big tech, big tech, a day in the life of a big tech fact checker. That's it. Yes, it was. That was awesome. I, I'm going to have to link that in the show notes for people just because it's so funny. Um, but all your stuff is great. And, uh, and I, I thought immediately, you know, I have such, I, I cover such heavy, serious topics. And sometimes I bet my audience gets a little weary of that. And I bet it would be really fun for them to listen to a conservative Christian comedian. Um, so I was like, I got to reach out to this guy. So, uh, so that's how I found you and, and found your stuff, which is excellent. Um, but why don't you tell listeners you. a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do? Sure. Uh, well, um, I always describe what I do in kind of like three tiers. Uh, and so I have a, a trifecta of career paths I'm pursuing right now. Um, so the first thing that I really started pursuing was actually film composing. Um, I've always loved film. Uh, I always have loved music perfect intersection, uh, writing original scores for film. So that's what I started in, even though I did uh, a lot of acting in high school as well, I thought maybe that's what I'll do. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was just not a realistic career path in my mind. So, uh, I live in Iowa, so that's an, an important part of the story, not really an entertainment hub. Um, so I pursued music. I majored in music in college. Um, and then, um, slowly but surely, uh, a couple of my other passions came into play. Uh, I started a, a Facebook page just because I was like, well, this is the thing to do. If I'm a film composer, I want to start building a following. Um, and then I started making little comedic skits that ended up taking off. Um, and really, much to my surprise, uh, very soon Facebook became um, uh, a money earner for me. Um, and I actually few years ago was part of Facebook's um, kind of transition into doing what YouTube does where you can monetize videos. So they reached out to me. I had a personal rep at Facebook. Um, they were promoting my videos for me uh, and I was being paid to do that. Um, and then my audience exploded uh, during that time. Um, so I now have about a quarter of a million followers on Facebook. Um, and so I try to, you know, my, my audience base is very much what you just described, Christian conservative mm -hmm. people who appreciate comedy. Um, so that's kind of the content that I create on there. And then last summer, uh, an agent out in Los Angeles reached out to me and said, I think you have acting potential. Uh, would you mind auditioning for me? And so I auditioned and then I was signed to their roster. So now I'm acting as well. So I'm hmm. like a social media comedian influencer. I do. Uh, I'm an actor as well. And I write music original music wow. for stuff. So that is just a little snippet of what I do. That's so cool. Such a different world than, than one that I live in. Um, you know, just that, <laughs> that whole, like, you know, media and film and yeah, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm glad to hear there are still conservatives and Christians engaged in that world. Cause you yes. know, from the headlines, it, it often doesn't look that way. Correct. Yeah. And there's actually more than you would think, which mm -hmm. the longer I spend uh, in the industry, the more I'm aware of both, like how mm -hmm. dark it really can get, as yeah. well as there's a lot more people maybe who aren't even vocal about it, but there mm -hmm. are more than you would think uh, right. who who are conservatives, Which, who are Christians. 
Yeah. Right. Which we can see why they would, they would be very quiet about oh, that, yeah. obviously. No work. You would have no work. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, so before we get into kind of the meat of our conversation, um, I'd love to know, you know, how did you actually decide to go into comedy? That, uh, is a interesting story too, because when I was a kid, uh, zero sense of humor, like mm -hmm. I was really? the most shy, the most painfully not funny person you would have ever met. <laughs> really? Um, and I remember distinctly, there were times when I would go to social events with my two older brothers. I have two older brothers and I would, the goal of my night would be to make my brothers and their friends laugh. Like that would be my single goal going in. Yeah. And I would often come home devastated because I tried too hard. I wasn't funny. Um, and it was downright painful. Um, and so then something snapped in high school and all of a sudden, I think probably I just stopped caring as much. Mm. Um, and found my my niche and which was comedy um and i started acting and doing comedic roles in high school um and then that was just a natural continuation when i when i got on social media and started gaining a following people really resonated with with my comedy you know mm -hmm. and i do some more serious stuff uh periodically um which i think it's good to have a balance but mm -hmm. nothing quite resonates, I think, the same as as what when I do it with a comedic flair. Um, the video you were referencing, you just never know. Uh, I'm sure you know the feeling as, as well. When you create mm -hmm. content, you never know really how the audience is going to respond to it until right. they do. Um, and that video on Facebook crossed the 1 million view mark. It had like wow. 45,000 shares. Um, and it just happens so fast. And those are the ones that you're like, okay, this resonates. This mm -hmm. clearly is striking a chord um, with comedy, but striking at something much deeper uh, that maybe people need to be aware of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, gosh, so many, so many questions because you're on Facebook critiquing Facebook, you know, making fun of them, yeah. making fun of the fact checkers. Um, are you, do you ever get nervous that like, oh my gosh, am I going to, am I towing the line? Like how close can I get to that line? Yeah, I do get nervous sometimes. Uh, but every time I come back to it, I, to me, um, it's worth it. And uh, so many people, funny that you mentioned that, commented, I cannot believe this is getting as much attention as it is uh, because it's kind of attacking the very platform that you're on. Yeah. Um, and Facebook's not the only one guilty of this. I think, honestly, Twitter is probably oh, one yeah. of yeah. the darkest spots on the social media world. Uh, it yeah. is just overt. Um, and I actually got off Twitter because I just, I couldn't do it. Um, yeah. And, but I think what's important for me and for anybody uh, who's nervous about towing that line, um, you can't, bowing to that kind of pressure is uh, what they want. Mm -hmm. um, and they want you to fall in line uh, with what they want to be mainstream. And right. for me, uh, that truth is far too important to just stop proclaiming um, and stop, you know, humorously pointing out. Um, it's too important to just stop doing that um, yeah. for fear of being shut down and deplatformed. And, and that happens, you know, um, could be me someday soon. Um, but I so admire those people who say, you know what, 
uh, I'm, I have to create a new account because I've been shut down um, for, for speaking my mind, what this platform was supposed to be all about, allowing differing views, differing opinions. Um, and it's frighteningly becoming less and less of a, a platform for that. So for me, um, truth is, is a beautiful thing. God is truth. He created truth. He loves people who proclaim truth. Um, and so I feel like that's, that's part of my calling. That's part of my mission mm -hmm. and he's in control. You know, I'll have a platform as long as God wants me to have a platform. Um, and so I can rest in that. Yeah. I love all that you just said. That's so true. Um, when you said that, you know, the, the very platform's purpose is for, for users to engage and, and share their mind. I actually remember that Facebook, their prompt for writing a post used to say, what's on your mind. I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. Yes. And now it says, write a post, right? Something like yeah. that. Very generic. It it's like share a post. Um, yep. It used to say, what's on your mind? They, they changed it because they don't want to know what's on your mind. They don't want to know what's on your mm -hmm. mind. They, they want you to uh, engage in the way that they have laid out for you, but they do not want to know what's on your mind. Um, so that's right. just kind of a funny anecdote. Um, but okay. So, you know, you are like, as I mentioned before, in case someone has not seen your videos yet, you are conservative. You are a Christian. You share about those types of topics in your comedy very openly, very tongue in cheek. You know, um, you speak about all the controversial things like the big tech fact checking, like the COVID stuff, all of that. And you share that really boldly. Um, but you do it with obviously as a comedian, um, you know, that flair and that sense of humor. And I'm curious, you know, what your, like, I know that you're a comedian by trade in a sense. And, and that was like, that came first, perhaps. I, I don't know if, if that's the case for you, but, um, how, how do you like, do you believe that uniquely allows you to speak the truth in a way that disarms people or like gets the truth to them in a way that otherwise you wouldn't be able to, could you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I do think so. Um, I think comedy is one of the, as a comedian, I'm very uh, partial toward comedy, but I think the strength of, of doing something in a comedic way is that it points out truth in a non-offensive way. Mm -hmm. um, it, it offends some, but it almost makes you feel foolish if you are someone who approaches a comedy mm -hmm. uh, bit with some truth in it and like attacks it. Because right. everybody else is saying, come on, he's being funny, like yeah. chill. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so it, it is very disarming and people have a harder time approaching comedy uh, and being able to effectively say like, you shouldn't be doing this. This is, these are all lies because I'm like, come on, I'm being funny. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that is an incredibly effective way and an effective tool to proclaim truth. And honestly, probably is way easier <laughs> to go under the radar um, because for all social media knows, I'm just someone who makes people laugh and creates a lot of engagement, um, which they like. Uh, I think they're probably focusing more of their uh, censorship on people who are constantly and seriously talking about hot topics um, right. from their point of view. So I think, and just the history of comedy, and I had spoken to you a little bit about this, comedians, um, I think one reason they're so uh, 
popular is they unify. Comedians are have a, a, pro, a profound ability to unify people on both sides of the political aisle, um, people uh, all across whatever your worldview may be. There's they they're able to centralize people by being able to laugh at yourself, to laugh at um, situations, uh, but also to point out the truth within that. And uh, I think comedians, multiple comedians, uh, are very concerned right now uh, because even comedy is under attack right now because um, everything's offensive. Everything is is taboo you can't talk about these things you can't joke about these things and really you're limiting where comedians can go um and i think that's intentional because of the power of comedy um so i just to answer your question a long way of answering your question yes i think Mm -hmm. comedy uh, my comedy is able to uh touch on something in a non-confrontational way where people watch it and go hmm yeah, it makes a good point. You know, right, right. I yeah, I totally agree that it does unite people. And it's like a, a comedy club, for instance, is is somewhere. Um, you know that everyone, everyone who goes, you know, we, we all come from such different backgrounds and beliefs, walks of life. But you can go and you can laugh at the same joke, and you can, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, you can find common ground there because it's it's funny. You know, we can all acknowledge maybe the ridiculosity and the ridiculousness of each other's extremes, which is often what is brought out. And we can, we can, we can be like, yeah, you know, I do do that. Oh, wow. You know, that's, it's, it's, it's just, it's easier to admit that when you know that someone isn't coming at you as an attack, but as um, almost like you feel seen and unknown to some degree um, and not alone. And so I think that's so true. And um, and, and it is certainly coming under attack, um, unfortunately, even more so in the U.S. Uh, but I mean, in 2016, I believe was the year in China, their Ministry of Culture um, actually changed the rules there in regards to comedy. That It's extremely strict in, in China what you can do as far as comedy. Like you have to apply for a performance mm. license. Like I will I will stop short of saying comedy is illegal but it basically is like it's Hmm. it's illegal to just say whatever you want obviously and so you can't can't make a joke because of that very thing because of what you're saying is if you if you actually point to the truth and then you're like oh isn't that so funny people will see it you know and they don't want Mm -hmm. that and so um, well and what's interesting is it comedians are also being lumped into you know, you'll read a headline, for example, about a, a comedian making a joke about a particular person or a, po- per, a particular politician, mm-hmm. and automatically they're lumped into a category. And that's not what comedy has always comedy has has always played on television in comedy clubs by towing that line between I make fun, for example, I make fun of Republicans and I make fun of Democrats. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make jokes about both of them. I'm going to make jokes about extremes on both sides of the aisle. Uh, that used to be a, a great way to unify people and everyone could laugh at that. But now you make a joke about, for example, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a conservative Republican. Mm-hmm. And so-and-so, you know, look what they're doing. They're Everyone wants to throw you in a, a category so quickly um, just by making a joke, yeah. uh, which did not used to be the case. 
I want to take a second to let you know about one of our sponsors, and that is Brave and Courageous Company. Now, I'm about to blow your mind because this company makes coconut wax candles. These candles are incredible. Not just saying that, they smell so good. Uh, They're hand poured, they're clean burning, and made of coconut wax. They thoughtfully source premium fragrance oils, and each scent is paired with a specific scripture to help aid you in memorizing God's word. I have to tell you that I'm actually sitting here smelling their products, smelling these candles, and it literally feels like fall just popped out of the box. I am delighted because I'm totally in the fall mood I just decorated last night. So I cannot wait to be burning all of these candles all fall long. Check them out at braveandcourageous.com and follow them on Instagram at braveandcourageouscompany. And when you use the coupon code KINDLED, you will save 20% off your first order. The packaging is also beautiful, so they would make a great gift, but um, you can also buy a gift for yourself, and candles are some of my favorites. Go to braveandcourageous.com today. That's a great point. Yeah. Oh, you're a Trump supporter. Like it just right. comes about the the most, it's like, I didn't say anything about Trump. Like, you don't right. know, like I'm making a joke about this, but you, uh, yeah, it, it just points to the polarization that we are experiencing right now in culture. And uh, yeah, that's, yeah. it's, it's not good. And I've noticed that even on, you know, my small little Instagram platform, when I share things that I find funny, you know, and I know sense of humor is, is different for everyone, but things that I find hilarious um, I will get, even within Christian conservatives, I will get pushback for saying something that I think is funny. Well, you shouldn't joke about that. Or that's, that's really rude to people who have that conviction or, well, you know, if it's a joke about Bible translations, for instance, like, well, you know, I don't think you should make fun of people who read the new living translation or something like that. And I I see friends share memes now and they have to put a disclaimer. Remember it's a meme. Don't get angry. You know, like, isn't that bizarre that we are are so unable to laugh? Like what, what has happened? (laughs) It's disheartening. And to me, another thing that always resonates in my mind, you know, things like comedy, are gifts from the Lord. Um, and I've had multiple people reach out to me and say, Aaron, it's, you know, cathartic what you do on, on social Mm -hmm. media, because it is such a a release to be able to laugh. And, you know, there's so much going on in the world. Laughter is an incredible, uh, um, and kind of, uh, just brings you back to the good old days, so to speak, that mm-hmm. I think people are really craving. And that's exactly how I view comedy. That I'm like, if the Lord has given me the ability to make people laugh, um, I'm going to use that uh, for him, for uh, the people who view it. Um, and people who, like you were describing, there's always going to be people who don't like your approach. Yeah. Um, Always people are going to, people ask me that all the time. How do you handle people who just really rail on you in the comments section? Like, well, I don't, I don't engage anymore. Um, because what they want is a reaction. They want a visceral Mm -hmm. response. Um, and I just, I don't give that to them because for one thing, I have so many people who advocate for me, which I'm incredibly grateful for, but my content is not for those people. And right. and there's a sense of peace that comes with that because 
Um, you can't please everyone. You can't care to cater to everyone. So it's it's me and the Lord. If if I'm uh, honoring Him with mm-hmm. my content, that's all I need to worry about because I know uh, where I stand with Him, and that's what I care about. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really encouraging, and I think that. You know, I think everyone listening can benefit from that kind of a perspective, including me, because, you know, I, I, I understand that there is a, there is certainly a fleshly desire to engage and argue and defend yourself and fight back. And it's not that you don't have a response, not that you couldn't respond. It's that right. wisdom says, you know, I'm going to choose not to, because I know that that's going to go nowhere good. It's casting right. pearls before swine, you know, really at the mm-hmm. end of the day. And, and like you said, those people are not interested in truly having a discussion where there's, no. you know, give and take They're They're there to, like you said, just get a reaction and, and, or tear you down and make you doubt yourself um, and, right. and doubt the truth that you're sharing more importantly. Um, so I know that you've dealt uh, and I didn't know this when I asked you to come on, but uh, you, you have dealt with this cancel culture yourself, actually uh, from sharing your own views. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so it started late last year. Um, I saw a um, advertisement for a, an international brand that was going to rebrand, um, and it was going to be very well paid. Um, everyone across the globe could um, audition and apply, and I did. And much to my surprise, I landed it. Um, so they reached out and said, we want to work with you. And basically what we were going to do was produce a two week series, um, that, uh, promoted in a soft way, promoted what they, what they offered. Um, and it was going to be so much fun. There was a producer, they, they were all over in Europe, um, who I was working with and we had multiple creative, uh, sessions where we were brainstorming. It was like, we were creating our own TV show, um, And I hadn't experienced anything like that. Like Mm. they were going to provide me with all the resources. They had a graphic designer on the call who was going to design all the graphics. And, um, you know, we were going to make it great. Um, And I really clicked with the people I was working with. um, And we made each other laugh. And we were having so much fun brainstorming. Um, They loved where it was headed. So we had Mm -hmm. like three creative sessions, um, long creative sessions, And then out of the blue, I get an email uh, and it says, we can't work with you anymore. Um, Someone higher up in our company was browsing your social media um, and found some offensive material that would would prevent us from, from partnering with you. I was like, what in the world? So immediately my thought is, well, tell me what it, tell me what it is. Like mm-hmm. anyone who follows me know this, that, that I don't post offensive content. Right. Um, unless you have a specific worldview. Yeah. Uh, so then I asked them to be more specific. I said, can you tell me what, what was so offensive? Because I'm scrolling through my most recent posts, like a week yeah. ago, everything was fine and dandy. The only thing that I posted within the past few weeks that might've been uh, controversial is I posted something about being pro-life. Mm. And so I said, can you be more specific about what is offensive? No, we can't be specific. Um, 
Hmm. And and the person who is reporting this is is remaining anonymous. So we need to have one more one more call. And I'm like, okay, why why do we need to have a call if you're already agreed not to work with me? So we did. And I honestly, I don't cry very often, but I wanted to cry on the call because the mood was so different than, you know, I had started forming friendships with these people and they were like stone cold. um, And they basically just had me on the line. Hi, Aaron, how are you doing? Uh, Not too great. Thanks. What's I, you know, what, what are we going to talk about here? And they had uh, their HR person on, on the call as well. And she just sat there and listened. Um, and maybe cold wasn't the right word. They they looked like they didn't ag- agree with the decision. Like mm-hmm. they looked sad too, but they they just had to, to roll with it. And so I had wow. the chance to just say, I think this is very un, uh, unfair. I think you guys didn't handle this in a very, like, why didn't you vet me before you brought me through all of these creative sessions, if you didn't like what I was doing, someone should have looked before, yeah. before entering into a contract with me. Um, and I had signed the con like a contract with them. They hadn't signed it. Um, and they were like pushing me to hurry up and sign, like, come on, we want to work with you. Here we go. And so I signed it and sent it back. They didn't sign it. And then this came along. So I'm like, there were so many things along the way that we could have avoided this and this is really hurtful. This is really the fact that you guys won't be straightforward with me. Um, Even though we've worked together uh, is really sad to me. And they all just kind of stood there and were like, we can't do anything about it. We understand your frustration. And uh, do you want to ask our HR person anything? And I'm like, no, I'm, we're done here. This is, this Mm. is incredibly frustrating. Um, And then we went back and forth. I said, Basically, you know, I had put work, time, energy into this. Uh, I need some compensation. Um, And so that was a fiasco, trying to get some sort of compensation for the work that I already done. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it just faded off into the sunset. And then I watched the the series after it was released with someone else. And anyway, it was... uh, one of the first big things that I was like, Oh, so this is what it feels like. Uh, mm-hmm. I was so excited. Um, and just realized, well, if you are going to be vocal about some things, you're going to lose some opportunities and you have to be okay with that. I'm okay with that. I know. Um, I'm sure some people have looked into working with me and then saw mm-hmm. some of the things I post and they changed their mind. But to me, you know, I talk about it with my wife and we assess these kind of things. And I'm like, I'm just not one to, to not speak uh, about the things that I think are important just because I might lose some money. Cause I mean, what does that say about who we are? Right. You know, a lot of people have said, for example, with, with uh, the new abortion law in, in Texas, so many people have are like, is it really worth speaking out about if you're going to lose out on some opportunities? I'm like, do you really think that's why we're passionate about being pro-life or uh, advocating for the unborn? It's because we care about money. Like, no, this isn't, you think I'm going to stay silent to earn money while I let something I'm incredibly passionate about that God is incredibly passionate about just gone. No, I care more about this. Um, That says a lot uh, to those who are willing to be like, you know what? 
brand sponsorships are not as important as the truth. Uh, and it, if I allow that to be the case, oof, how do I sleep with myself at night? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, I want to tell you about the first sponsor of today's episode, and that is Caitlin Ashley Art. Caitlin is a watercolor artist after my own heart. She does calligraphy, watercolor, and custom art commissions for landscapes, venue, and home portraits. She also does wedding stationery. Caitlin has everything from stickers to scripture and prayer cards in her shop. I love her stickers because they're perfect for decorating your laptop, water bottles, notebooks, whatever. And those are great reminders for yourself and also good conversation starters with people about faith or politics. My favorite are her Politics Matter sticker and her sticker that says Pursue Truth in the Age of Outrage. I told you, you guys would love Caitlin's work. Check her out at CaitlinAshley.com. That is K-A-I-T-L-Y-N. A-S-H-L-E-E dot com. And Caitlin has a special code for Kindled listeners that gives you 15% off your product's order. Use Kindled 15 at checkout. Yeah. Um, well, right. And I mean, as, as Christians, like our, our conviction and motivation to speak the truth comes from somewhere, uh, you know, absolute and authoritative. And that's God himself, not from, uh, you know, our feelings about the topic or our personal investment in it or what we could benefit. Like it, I, I said that today, I was like, you know, what motivates us to share the gospel? Maybe it was yesterday to share the gospel is, is nothing other than the fact that it is true. Like that is what, that is the most, what you believe about God. Who was it? J.I. Packer that said like, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And that dictates how you live your life. You know, what you believe about God dictates how you live your life. If you believe that what he said in in his word is true, you're going to live according to that. You are going to, that's going to form your convictions, your beliefs, your job choices, what you stand firm on, what you give up, all of those things. And, you know, we live in an age which has, has told uh, itself and is trying to tell us that there really is no absolute truth, you know, we're postmodernism mm-hmm. that, that there is no absolute truth. Like you do you all do me, but it's kind of interesting that we're now coming back full circle to know there is absolute truth and, and you're on the wrong side. Like that's mm-hmm. where we've come full circle because that postmodern reality that, Oh, let's all just do our own thing. Live in, li- live in peace, kumbaya around the campfire doesn't work forever because people realize no, that doesn't work for me because you're stepping on my toes and, and I need you to abide by these guys. I need you to fall in this box. I need you to fit this uh, agenda or this narrative um, or else you are unloving. What is that? That's absolute truth. You are, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up as God um, as Romans. Is it one says setting yourself against the knowledge of God and saying that you have the truth and, um, and that's why we, that's why we have to stand firm in what we believe. And I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm sorry that that happened with that partnership, but it sounds like it was, you know, as everything is part of God's good plan for you mm-hmm. and to be for able sure. to encourage others in that, because you did have a lot to lose. And I'm sure that we don't even know how much, you know, you really had to lose mm-hmm. with that. And yet it was not worth, you know, it was not worth, uh, not being true to, to him and to what you believe. And, you know, just even being an example to your children someday that you'll be able to tell them that story when they're, 
when they're dealing with a friend who's pressuring them or bullying them, whatever it might be, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that's, it's, it's really painful. And, and I, I hear that in your voice and, and I know I've been canceled by friends and, and it is painful. And so, um, you know, we don't have to like deny that this whole cancel culture that we are dealing with is actually, it is really hurtful. And, and we, we characterize it often as, um, you know, kind of evil and those, those mean, you know, devil followers in a sense, but, but sometimes these are our friends. These are actually Mm -hmm. people that we care about and love. And, and it's, it, there is loss, um, Mm -hmm. to that. So what about something else along? Oh, sorry. Um, along those lines that, that has been, I hear a lot of as well, um, where you get the sense no matter what size your platform is. Um, but, you know, when you have a, a significant following, there's almost this pressure um, from fellow believers as well as as uh, people uh, who don't align with your worldview. Um, why are you speaking out against this, the things that you're speaking out against? Um, and almost a pressure to, I don't know, it's approached as if would Jesus ever speak out about that in the way that you're you're speaking mm, out yes, if you were here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And to me the thing I always go back to is Christ said I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Um he loves truth and truth has many facets in life. Um so true. You know so many things that I'm passionate about, for example, uh, strongly pro-life. I am someone who talks a lot about it, posts a lot about it. Why? Because I know I can say without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus Christ values the unborn. He created life, loves uh, life. He cherishes innocence. Um, And abortion is a direct attack on those things. I know everybody isn't as passionate as I am about that. Um, but to have this idea that something the Lord has placed has placed on my heart um, to say that I shouldn't speak out on that because it's controversial or even Christians don't all align on that yeah. or those kind of things. Um, I think we have to be very cautious because truth uh, will always be truth and and always be valuable Um, And I think God puts it on different people to be passionate about different aspects of his truth to be vocal about and to talk about. um, And we've, you know, you can't separate those two things. I think a lot of people think, well, you're going to leave Christ out if you're just focusing on, Mm -hmm. you know, what oppression looks like. And I'm like, no, all of this is together that Christ loves freedom and um, Mm -hmm. hates when people are oppressed. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's I think we have to be careful point. how we try to um, separate those things or or accuse people who are vocal about a particular thing um, that you don't know what Christ has has placed on on yeah. their heart um, yeah. and what they feel called. Not everyone is called to do the same thing. I think we all need yes. to realize that too. You know, you get accused a lot. Well, if you're going to be vocal about abortion, why don't you be vocal mm-hmm. about adoption and the foster care system? Right. Those what about I care them? about those things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're I'm like, listen, people who are studying how to fix cancer, who are trying to cure cancer, they're not trying to cure diabetes too. They're just right. 
Right. For some reason, they feel called to be like, okay, cancer is, is my thing and I'm going to fix it. And yeah. that's awesome that we're right. all placed in right. different places to accomplish the will of the will of God. And yeah. that's what we need to focus on. This is my calling. Mm -hmm. This is what I feel wired to do. And there's something very exciting, very thrilling about being in that place where I'm like, you know what? I'm yeah. wired to do this. God yeah. made me to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's very fulfilling to do it for him. I want to tell you about the next sponsor of today's episode. And that is one of my favorite online boutiques. Well, they're online to me because I'm only because I'm not in California, but they have a physical shop too. And that is Plum Penny Boutique. Plum Penny specializes in women's clothing and accessories, and they believe that looking and feeling great should feel effortless. With that in mind, you're going to find carefully curated finds for the everyday gal. From heading to the office to PTA meetings or grabbing coffee with your besties, they have something for you. Shop via their website or my favorite, watch their weekly live sales on their Facebook business page. Or if you are in California, swing by their store in Bria, California. As a Kindled listener, the owners, Sammy and Jess, are offering you 20% off your first purchase. Just head to their website, plumpennyboutique.com, and use the code KINDLED at checkout. That's plumpennyboutique.com. Use the code KINDLED for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah. I could not agree more. I mean, it's so, it's so true. I, I feel the exact same way about what I do. And you know, that's biblical. Like, uh, I can't think of the reference, but where Paul, I believe is writing, like he gave some to be teachers, some pastors, some apostles, some preachers, like God gave people vocations and skills mm -hmm. and gifts. And yes, we're all going to be growing in all the fruits of the spirit, but it doesn't mean we all have the exact same personality. It doesn't mean we all have the exact right. same gifts or physical abilities. I mean, I've seen two-year-olds that can ride pedal bikes and I've seen six-year-olds that still don't know how, you know? So some people are just right. incredibly gifted in one certain capacity to like, they're just physically competent at a young age and they just achieve things that kids five years older than them still can't do. And so you can't look at that and say, well, maybe we should hold back you know, the young kid and, and, you know, it's just, it's silly. It's like, why? No, everyone is different. Um, and as long, the only caveat I'd give is like, I can hear the other side with social justice saying like, oh, well, you know, then, then why aren't you allowed for, you know, the social justice cause or racism or anything like that? I, my, my caveat to anyone who would have like a kind of like, you know, uh, problem with what we are saying about, look, I can focus on abortion with, and, and it's still in line with God's truth. I don't have to make everything. My main thing is we always have to fall under the Bible's definition of words and of things that we are mm -hmm. fighting for. And so the problem with, you know, certain pet projects that people become very enmeshed in is when they are actually like Trojan horses for lies, bringing that into the church. Like abortion is not that abortion, like the, the anti-abortion fight is about ending murder. And God is clear in the 10 commandments that murder, murder is sin. Um, mm -hmm. But when, but I think that the, that, that whole thing, it might be a little bit of a sidecar, but I, I just think that as long as we are defining things, according to God's word, like there is freedom for you to be passionate about that, speak out about that, even in a way mm -hmm. that makes some Christians uncomfortable. Like that's right. what, that's what people don't like is when you are a little more vocal than they would be. And they're like, I don't know, should you, I mean, 
it's just, you might want to consider how that's making some people feel because not everyone is as passionate as you. And it's like, that's kind of the point. That's actually Mm -hmm. why I'm doing it because I know not everyone is, I, you know, I know not everyone is like me and a researcher. And when I hear about some new movement, I go dive deep and dig and listen to every podcast and read every book and scour the internet for all I can find about this. So I can understand the worldview. So I know that I'm going to talk about those things more than most people, because that's what I'm interested in. I don't need everyone to do what I'm doing, but I do need to not be shut down in that capacity. As long as I'm not sinning, you know, like that's actually a gift. And so that's what the body of Christ is for to all, you know, play our different roles. And I think it's so beautiful when we actually can allow each other to do that and not, it's like yes. your candle shining brighter is not snuffing mine out. As my husband always likes to say, he's like, yeah, don't snuff that's a good way of my candle it. out. So your shines brighter, you know? Yeah. That's a great way of saying it and, and thinking of it, because if you really do view uh, your calling, whatever that may be as a direct calling from the Lord and, and understanding that everybody's is different, that creates an atmosphere that is so healthy to be like, you know what? Um, that brother or that sister is passionate about this particular thing that I'm not necessarily as passionate about, but I admire and, and yeah. am able to respect people who have different passions mm-hmm. um, and different aspects of God's truth that they're covering. Um, and Granted, you know, you mentioned a caveat. I think there's always room for for all of us to evaluate, mm-hmm. you know, the heart behind what we're saying, how we're saying it, um, and uh, and communicating it in a way that would be Christ honoring. But yeah. at the same time, realizing even Jesus himself was offensive to a certain group of people. Um, Life as a believer is not avoiding conflict at all costs. That's, you know, Mm. looking at the life of Christ. That was not his goal. That was not why he was here um, and nor what his life was like when he was here. There was always conflict a lot of times Mm. with the religious leaders um, and, and people who, who, most of all the people yeah. who resented yeah exactly the people who resented him the most were the most religious people um mm-hmm. and so i think that's the important balance to keep in place like my heart before the lord and the way i mm-hmm. communicate is important but also knowing that truth if if you don't have the spirit uh you're going to look at truth as offensive that's yeah. just that is it's the truth fact. um yeah. And so you cannot let the fact that some of the truth you're going to share is going to be met with some heat and that's fine. And that is okay. Mm-hmm. And that is natural. Um, mm-hmm. The people who, who need to hear it are going to hear it. Um, the people the Lord is working on, they're going to resonate with, you ha- with what you have to say, but the rest is out of your control and you yeah. cannot let your fear of rejection of someone getting mad at you mm-hmm. um, hinder you. Um, because I think t- way too many people say, well, you're offending people. Therefore you're not Christ-like. And I'm like, yes. I'm sorry. That is simply not mm-hmm. the truth. Right. Niceness, the 11th commandment, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Thou shalt well, be nice. Right. And like you said, that heat is going to come when you're speaking the truth. Um, but we know as Christians, like Romans eight twenty eight says, uh, you know, everything that is going to happen to us, all that occurs will be worked for our good and God's glory. If we are called according to his purpose. And so that heat, that those fires, those trials, like you getting, you know, dropped from the contract, 
like us getting canceled from some of my husband's best friends um, for not being LGBTQ affirming, uh, whatever it may be, uh, you know, those fiery trials that come, we actually are able to count them all joy. And that's just the beautiful thing about being um, a follower of Christ is that when those come, it's not for nothing. It's not senseless suffering. It is producing, um, you know, it's producing that, uh, that eternal weight of glory that is so much greater and so much heavier than anything we experience here. Um, Mm. and so, you know, really, I, you know, I, I just want to, yeah, encourage you that like, that is actually a blessing, you know, those, those trials that you're enduring and, and I have them too, are actually a blessing from God, but um, yeah. they, they still stink in the moment. Um, yeah, they do. They do. They really do. Um, but I do want to ask you also, we talked for a second before hitting the record button about, you know, some of the concerns that other comedians have, um, you know, around the industry, not just conservatives in regards to cancel culture. And, um, I've, I've even seen Bill Maher be very vocal about this. And he's like, maybe the most progressive leftist that there yeah. is. And he's, right. He's super concerned about the cancel culture. So can you tell us about uh, what that's all about? Yeah. So um, I had mentioned to you that I I know someone who actually is traveling around the nation right now interviewing comedians and is Mm -hmm. doing a documentary about cancel culture um, and how it relates to comedy. Um, And I I really do think comedians have a a more balanced perspective on this than a lot of people, Um, even like you mentioned, Bill Maher liberal uh, democratic comedians Mm -hmm. who are able to see past um, a lot of the things that maybe the people who are just, you know, pundits would, would see. Um, And because of that, there's this overarching, like, guys, we have to be able to joke about these things. If, if you are trying to, stifle even what people can joke at Mm -hmm. then everyone's alarms need to be going off um because that is showing you you know you mentioned about china earlier that is showing you a culture that cannot handle Mm -hmm. a a government that cannot handle anybody pointing out inconsistencies or criticism Right. right um so the closer you get to that you know and obviously our government at this point hasn't said no one can be funny about this or no one can joke Mm -hmm. about the president or no one, but essentially what's happening Mm -hmm. is that um, when the social media giants, when late night talk show hosts, when uh, news organizations all uh, seem to be like getting a text or something, you know, Mm -hmm. so-and-so made a joke about, and it's just overwhelming to the point Mm -hmm. where everyone who's watching this stuff is starting to demonize anybody who does dare to joke or speak out about certain things because essentially that is what's what's happening. Like what is being communicated by the mass influx of uh, insensitivity and intolerance to any sort of uh, comedy that attacks someone's stance on something, uh, what's being communicated is that's not okay. You got to cut it out. And you got to come in line with mm-hmm. where we're at. Follow the um, science. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that is, that's uh, very concerning. And I think comedians mm-hmm. are um, kind of that, that, that outer, I don't know, skin before going deeper into, right. uh, I think they're just ultra aware of where things are going. 
Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Because this is one of those first steps towards, oh my gosh, we are oppressed. <laughs> like this is oppression. Um, and you mm -hmm. got to wake up folks because people can think differently than you. And that is what has made this nation great is that you can be, can think differently as long as you're not going out and harming people and, yeah. and, you know, spewing violent rhetoric or whatever, where you're trying to cause harm, you're allowed to think vastly different than me. And yeah. we're able to live together and speak our minds and, um, all of these ideals that our country was founded on, um, that is so centric to who we are as a nation. Mm -hmm. And I think those of us who are like, ah, are the ones who are like, guys, don't you see? This isn't mm -hmm. about us. This isn't about our platforms and wanting to speak our mind. We're concerned about everybody's ability yeah. to speak their mind because right. the pendulum might swing at some point. You might not like when exactly. you're silenced about something that maybe I'm like, well, I kind of agree with that, but that's not the point. Right. We want you to be able to, to right. say what you have on your mind. Um, and I think that's what I've, I watched an a interview yesterday that was really um, powerful to me. And one of the things that she said was, and it's so true. She's like, guys, she was talking about COVID um, and her experience losing her father to COVID um, and oh, just some that. things. Okay. So Allison. her big thing yeah. was, yes, her big, I don't know, plea to the audience was, listen, all of you who are like railing on me right now and hating me for saying, do your research and, and try to think beyond what you're seeing just on your TV screens is, she's like, everyone I know who agrees with me isn't saying that none of you should do what you think is right. Like the most yeah. volatile, angry, bitter people attacking right. me and my family are people who want to force me to do something that I don't feel right about, that I don't feel good about, that I don't feel is the a right moral choice for my family. Mm -hmm. But I'm none of the people who are on my side want to try and force you not to do what you think is right. Exactly. Um, and I think yeah. that is huge. That is something that I have been silently aware of as well. That I'm like, am I crazy or no one else that I feel like yeah. I align with is right. trying to force anybody to believe anything. They just want to say, listen, yeah. I think there's no freedom to disagree. I'm, yes. There's and no freedom to disagree. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is concerning. And I mean, lives have been lost because of that very problem. So, I mean, I, I, I hesitate to say how many, cause this will get taken off of YouTube, but many, 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 many more than I could possibly say have been lost due to that very fact because you're not allowed to think differently whether you're a nurse a doctor a comedian a podcast host um, a mom posting right. on facebook mom sharing your story about what happened to your child or to your husband and to your dad doesn't matter it's there's it, it it's it doesn't discern between what happened or who you are or why you're sharing it or any of that it just says not allowed and that is censorship. Right. And that is mm -hmm. what we are concerned about. We're concerned that so many people, like you said, they just see their, their opinion being repeated or uh, reinforced and they like how that feels. They just like to be on the side of the big opinion and the big loud voice and the megaphone, which is big media and, right. um, and, you know, the mainstream media, they, they, they like that it reinforces their, their already held beliefs without seeing the risk to them in the future. When, like you said, if the pendulum swings and let's say Kamala Harris isn't our next president and we have 
either Trump or someone that you hate more than Trump, well, then what, you know, then what are, right. are you suddenly going to be saying, Hey, this is not fair. Well, no, you actually, you asked for this. You asked for a world where there was only one narrative allowed, only one belief allowed. And it was de- decided by the elites at the top. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, that's wickedness. And, you know, I mean, right. we know that because of our biblical worldview that humanity is fallen and sinful. And we actually, our government is literally based on those beliefs because we have checks and balances for all of those reasons. And, you know, three different branches of government for all of those reasons, but nobody understands that because they've been indoctrinated not to believe it. And here we are in a culture where they're like, yeah, get those bad guys. And we're, you know, we're the bad guys. And it's like, oh my goodness. Open season. Well, and that something that I'm, you know, I'm constantly looking for things to be encouraged by because there's so yeah, many well, things that I'm are very different. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you've seen at all what's going on with Nicki Minaj, for example, uh-huh. where yeah. finally, I think some people are s- suddenly aware um, who clearly, you know, Nicki Minaj is not a self-proclaimed uh, no. Christian, Republican, conservative, any of that. But he, she is aware that something's wrong here. Yeah. Uh, I don't care what side I'm on. The fact that I can't retweet something by Tucker Carlson without being right. Like attacked by everybody. And the fact that she uh, is, is starting to see all I'm doing is asking you to think for yourselves and to research and to do to not just believe everything you hear, she's got a massive following, mm-hmm. um, massive following. And I think a lot of people are going to hear what she's saying and and think to themselves, okay, something something is off here. All she was saying, for one thing, all she did was retweet. She's also just saying, research, pray about it, and and then decide. Um, and to me, this is going to be hopefully more people waking up to be like, you know what? We should listen. In fact, I saw someone post the other day. We, we should be listening to those who are silenced. That That is, that is so true right now because Mm -hmm. those are the people who you need to be like, okay, wait a second. Why on earth? Like you mentioned, even moms who are in their homes just yeah. filming themselves, telling their story, they're mm-hmm. being pulled and deplatformed right. from the internet. Like, right. I don't care what you believe. Yeah. Look at what is happening mm-hmm. because of someone just speaking what's on their mind. Mm-hmm. That's what we should be concerned about. Um, and I'm starting to see a few more people with significant followings who are finally being like, wait a second. Or with this, with the, the Met Gala, just hypocrisy mm-hmm. where all of the people attending the Met Gala are not masked or anything. Nope. And then you look in the background and see the servers wearing the mask. Photographers. And our, and our kids in the in the school system are masked. And you're like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. And The people and, who attend yeah. the Met Gala are the ones saying the loudest, we should be doing this. Yep. But you're not living it. So we, people's radar. Cognitive dissonance. Wanna, yeah. yeah. You know, just to be able to think reasonably and logically and be like, okay, there's inconsistencies here. I need to get to the bottom of this. I we will. all need to get to the bottom of this. I, yeah, I, I agree that I, I am encouraged by Nicki Minaj because she's, you know, 
uh, she's like the bottom of the barrel really in terms of depravity, but, but if she's retweeting Tucker Carlson, there is hope. Um, but, <laughs> you know, but I, I did see, this is kind of, you know, this is the problem is what people say in response to, you know, the, the hypocrisy of the Met, Met Gala is, well, actually this was a pretty safe event because everyone was vaccinated. They all had to prove negative COVID tests within 24 hours and blah, blah, blah. You know, they, they literally had a response for everything. And they were like, no, this was, you know, the same with Obama's birthday. This was an, uh, what was the word, uh, distinguished or no, there was a different word. Um, this was, this was like a distinguished crowd. Like this crowd is, this was, you know, they're, they're not careful. Yeah. They're, they're not your average, dirty, unvaccinated, you know, people they're, they're not wearing their masks because they are, you know, they are just over and above what any of us could be. So they're fine. It's safe. It's just, it's insanity. And, and people Mm -hmm. find a way to, to justify it. But I do hope that those people who are saying, regurgitating the very, very obviously false narrative um, are, I hope that they are starting to become the minority and will continue to become the minority as more and more normal people just go, this doesn't make any sense. Why in the heck is my child going to kindergarten with a mask on, not able to take it off except to eat and maybe go outside to play, depending on which state you're in, and you mm-hmm. can flit around in your ball gown with your $30,000 dinner. What? Like, yeah, I just, right. I honestly, I am just, I'm be, it's beyond me that we've even, that it's even gone this far. But I, I hope, I really hope that that pendulum's, pendulum starts to swing back the other direction. And I, I, do I do think, I do know that people like you, people like me, like our listeners who are just having conversations with their friends one-on-one questioning, challenging, speaking the truth, saying things that might be not well-received that might even offend them, that might cause a fight. Risking that right now while you can is Mm -hmm. like essential. You have to, you have to speak. Um, what, what encouraging, you know, final words would you want to live people with as someone who is risking your platform every day? (laughs) <laughs> well, I think I think that is what you just said is key um, to be able to uh, use your voice in whatever capacity you are uh, given. Um, you have to think big picture, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you want to be on uh, with looking back? What kind of person? do you want to be? Um, uh, this is, this is a small tangent. I'll be very quick, but, mm-hmm. um, a, a woman spoke with me a couple of weeks ago. She does these, uh, reenactments of Corey Ten Boom and they're incredible. She does them at the Ark Encounter, uh, the creation museum. She's very, very gifted. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she said one time she did it in front of uh, a crowd and someone came up to her afterwards, very old man. This was years ago. Um, who was a pastor in Germany during the Nazi regime. Mm. And he had tears in his eyes and he said, do you know what we did? Our church was right by the railroad station and the railroad tracks. And he said, we would be singing hymns and hearing screams 
from the trains being loaded with Jews by the Nazis. And he said, you know what we would do? We'd sing louder. We'd sing our hymns louder and drown out what was the horrors that were going on outside our doors. And in tears, because he realized at the time it was more convenient, even for believers in Germany, to turn a blind eye, to not say anything about injustice, about oppression. Um, and fast forward 70 years or 80 years, uh, what's he thinking about? He's thinking about, whoa, I avoided some conflict at the time, avoided maybe being arrested for standing up for the Jews, but his mind is on, I should have done something. I should have said something. Um, and I think that is what I, that type of scenario is what I think, like, I don't want to be there. I want to say, you know what? I, mm -hmm. we tried, I tried to say, uh, what I can in the circle, you know, not just social media, like you mentioned in conversation with, with our everyday communities. Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of growth is going to happen. And a lot of, of decision-making, um, and refresh perspectives, mm -hmm. but also on social media, like we can't ignore that that is a, a integral part of our society now. And, you know, uh, kind of a town square to, to yeah. share your opinion. Um, I am going to, to take a stand on the things that I think are, are important to do so despite the cost. And I just hope that anyone else who is listening, who's always thought about this and been like, is it worth it? I don't know that, that you would just think about that. Like, yeah, think big picture, think in the future. Uh, what do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, man, that is such a powerful story. Um, and yeah, along those lines, I mean, reading history, I think gives us a clear vision of the right next move, which is to live not by lies. I don't know if you've read that book yet. Um, mm -mm. Oh, you, you got to read that book. It's by Rod Dreher and it's, he's, I won't go into it. I've actually, I've talked about it, but um, he, he interviews people who survived the Eastern Bloc in communists like Russia and mm. um, their stories from fighting, like living through coming out of communism and, just living not by the lies of that regime while it was in power and how they did that, how they raised their children, how they 